This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up, everybody? Ricky Whitmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And Brandon, what, first off, first off, before I get into our banter, welcome into the Primetime Podcast. Here we talk about college football, basketball, mainly we're in football mode right now. You're on YouTube, thanks for watching us. If you're on Blog Talk Radio, thank you guys for giving us the listen today. But Brandon, what a week. What a week in college football. Clemson goes down. Washington State goes down. Washington goes down. We almost had a ton of other teams go down we as saw, well. We saw Auburn, Auburn go, go down. down. What a week in what I am dubbing the upset special week. Week seven, <laughs> the most upset special, or the most special week because it was filled with upset specials. Well, Ricky, there were just so many upsets that I, you and I, certainly, when we talked about it, had no idea of, mm-hmm. of seeing that that would happen. Yeah. I had no no plans to be mm-hmm. saying that Syracuse was going to be beat Clemson. Clemson. I mean, no chance at all. And I'll be completely I, I honest. Couldn't believe, I couldn't believe that. Game. I will be completely honest. The first thing I thought of while doing the live stream that <laughs> we did, uh, Mark and I for fantasy football this week, the first thing I thought of when I saw the final score was, how many people in the comment section tried to tell me that Clemson should be number <laughs> one over Alabama? That's really what I did. I just started laughing because I'm like, you guys thought you should be number one over Alabama and you lose to Syracuse. That's just what I think. But I want to segue that into our first topic. We got a jam-packed show like always. Going to be talking Butch Jones. Going to be talking Pac-12, uh, Pac-12 North. But I want to segue this upset and this Clemson stuff into our first topic. And the team we're taking a look at first is the Penn State Nittany Lions. And they came out unscathed. The only reason they came out unscathed, they did not play this week. They had a bye week. And because they had that bye week, they now move up into number two in the AP Top 25 rankings. And Brandon, I'm just going to ask you this. Penn State. Their next three games, they get Michigan this week. They have Ohio State after that. They've got Michigan State after that. Bingo, bingo, bongo, one, two, three. Can the Nittany Lions, can this team survive the Big Ten East coming up in their next three games? Well, it's certainly going to be a test for them. And it's going to definitely be a test in the next couple of weeks because they're on the road for Ohio State and they're on the road Mm -hmm. for Michigan State. And that Michigan State game has all of a sudden become a game where you're like, okay, we've got a definite threat in in a very quality opponent. The game coming up against Michigan is the game that I think I would be least concerned with. Concerned, but the least concerned out of the three of them. We saw what Michigan did this past week. We saw what Michigan did two weeks ago against Michigan State. We saw what Michigan did this past week against Indiana. Yes, they got the win, but they didn't do it in any pretty way. Didn't I sort of predict that? Like, I didn't say exactly that it would be close all the way through, but by me saying that, oh, it'll be close early, and then Michigan will pull away and get the win, you kind of, I at least knew that there was a chance Indiana was going to play this one close, and I thought they would especially early. They did. They did. Michigan doesn't have enough offense now, especially Mm -hmm. now, that Wilton Spade is no longer there, and uh, O'Korn is the man, or was the man, who was was, uh, under 
under center. Only 58 yards. He was not great. Mm-hmm. He is not great. And I think that that's part of the problem with Michigan is that they don't really have that guy who they can go to and and lean on to get the job done. And John O'Corn has had a lot of turnovers. He has mm-hmm. just one touchdown pass to four interceptions, and he hasn't really, and I understand that a big part of that was in the game against Michigan State when it was a slop fest in the fourth quarter. I completely get that, but there were there were some things that he did well in that game. Going back to now talking about O'Corn and talking about that Michigan State game. There were some things that he did well, but there were so many reads that he missed. He missed the guy. He missed the guy high, or he missed, you know, out in front of him or behind him. He is not pinpoint on his accuracy. Mm-hmm. So now getting back to the game that's coming up this weekend, Michigan, Penn State. I think Penn State's defense will be able to capitalize on some of those inaccuracies that O'Corn has shown so far this season. And also, I don't know. I know that Michigan's defense has been good, but I don't know if they're going to have us have an answer for Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because Northwestern and their defense thought that they had an answer for Saquon Barkley, and they did in the first half. But then they, they made didn't adjust- in the second half. I was going to say made adjustments and things changed. And Saquon Barkley ended up with 75 yards and two touchdowns on the ground, which mm-hmm. may not sound like a lot, but when he had literally less than nothing in the first half, he comes back in the second half, came on for a very strong second half, and it was a big reason why Penn State was able to get that win. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a very big game. The next three games, it's going to be a big game every game. But you look at this first game coming up against Michigan, I think that Penn State will be able to get that win. I don't think that Michigan has enough offensive firepower. And I just quite honestly don't think that they're going to be able to contain Saquon Barkley. And then, of course, Trace McSorley is so good. But then the next two games are the two games that I think are going to be the bigger ones. Mm -hmm. Because Ohio State... Since that loss, since that loss that they had to Oklahoma, they've played pretty good football. And then Michigan State, of course, too, playing with a real big chip on their shoulder and playing with a lot of confidence. Those are two very dangerous football teams. But Penn State is no slouch. And they didn't make it to number two in the rankings by accident. They've been very good this year. They've been very competitive this year. And that's why I think Penn State is going to, and I'm not going to say roll through these guys, because this is the meat. This is where we find out if Penn State is truly a number two team, a truly a top five team, because they're now playing teams that are ranked. I know that they've been good, and, and, and people will say, but hey, they haven't played any ranked opponents This yet. is where you and show me what you're made And of. that is true. This is where we find out how mm-hmm. good you actually are. And I think they are going to show us because so far they have had tests. Iowa was a test. The first half against Northwestern was a test. Mm-hmm. And they have 
passed the first two tests, and now you're getting to the real hard ones. You know, those were just the regular uh, chapter tests. We're starting to get to, uh, you know, the midterms here where you got to go over everything and see how you are here in the middle of the mm-hmm. season. This is where we find out if they are truly an A-plus football team. We're certainly going to find out the next three weeks. Well, and the thing that I look at is, first off, I want to start with Michigan because they are the next opponent that Penn State will play this weekend. I'm not. I'm with you. You don't go in thinking that we won the game. We don't have to look at it. You'll get beat. However, I'm like out of the worry ranking. I'm worrying the least about this Michigan game. Oh, Corn doesn't scare me. I mean, yeah, they have a run game behind. Like they had 200 yards rushing from their top rusher in the Indiana game. Michigan did. But it doesn't really scare me because, yeah, Saquon Bart. Like the big thing that I think this game will come down to is the defenses. And if Penn State's defense, I know they don't have a lot of them, but if they can get at, if they can get after O'Corn, they do have 17 sacks, but interceptions. If they can get some interceptions, cause some turnovers, force that Michigan defense to be on the field. This is how they'll win. Force Michigan to be on the field more than they want to defensively. And just wear them down with that run game. Wear them down with Saquon Barkley. And eventually when you get to the end of the game, that defense will be gassed and Barkley will be able to run all over them. That's how I think that this game plays out on ABC. The game I am most worried about is the Ohio State game. And the main reason I am so worried about it is a guy that I want to say was two or three weeks ago, Brandon, that everyone's like, oh, he doesn't have the confidence. And actually, I think it was three weeks ago. It was before the the conference schedule had started. Everyone's like, JT Barrett is he doesn't have it. Doesn't have the confidence. We even talked about it, and I said it looked like he didn't have confidence. And that was coming off of a five touchdown game against UNLV. Since that UNLV game, five and zero against UNLV, three and zero against Rutgers. Touchdown to interceptions is what I'm talking about. 3-0 with Maryland and a rushing touchdown. And this past weekend at Nebraska in Lincoln, five passing touchdowns, two on the ground for a total of seven touchdowns. This is a offense. This is a team that is starting to catch fire at the right time. And it's not just Barkley. At the beginning of the season, I even said— Barrett. Barrett. If the, it's not just Barrett. I said Barkley. I'm thinking Sparkle Barkles in my head. It's not just JT Barrett. If this offense gets on a little bit of what I like to call a rolly roll and starts catching steam, this offense with its speed can kill almost any team except Alabama in this country. But but one of the things I want to bring up to you, too, is that we talked about with, with Penn State the fact that they haven't really played anybody in terms mm-hmm. of ranking it, That's to, it. To, to this point. But really, neither has neither has Ohio State. Minus the Oklahoma game week mm-hmm. two where they did struggle. And they lost. And, and Oklahoma's defense, Oklahoma's defense mm-hmm. of all things, played really well and only allowed 16 points. Since them, they have not played anyone that's been too enticingly scary. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you play Rutgers. That's, that's not difficult. That's not difficult. You play Maryland. Maryland played really, really well against Texas early on in the season. But again, Maryland is not at the level 
that Ohio State is. Mm-hmm. And then Nebraska, we've talked about Nebraska, how much of a disappointment they have been. These teams are not on the same level as Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Penn State is on the same level as Ohio State. They can hang with them. They have a defense. They have offensive playmakers that can, just as much as Ohio State can, Penn State can do the same thing. So that's why that game would scare me the most as someone who is rooting for Penn State. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if I'm an Ohio State person, that game would scare me the most as an Ohio State fan, the Penn State game. Because and- you both have playmakers who mm-hmm. can make r- some really great plays. And then you also, at the same time, have defenses who could hold down some of those playmakers and see, okay, now that some of these guys aren't scoring what they usually do or not being able to make the plays they usually do, who's going to come up big for me here? These are two teams that are on the same level talent-wise, and I'm going to be very, very interested to see who's able to get that win. It is going to be close. It's going to be a good game. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard fought. We're going to see points put up in that game. I predict that's not going to be one of the lower scoring games. That is going to be a high scoring game. And I, I don't think I could tell you right now who's going to come out victorious, but it's going to be a great game. We're going to see the best, some of the best offenses put on display. And here's the thing, though, is that we're really going to find out from both teams Mm-hmm. Who is, who who who's for who's for real? Who's for pretend? Because if Ohio State comes out and again only scores sixteen points, we know they're they're going to obviously mask their inabilities to to get things done against mm-hmm. the poorer teams in in the league. But if you cannot hang with teams of similar talent to you, we we know what's going on. You know, JT Barrett, 21 touchdowns on the season, only one interception. That's very impressive. Mm-hmm. But does that speak to how good that team really is? You know what I'm saying? Because are you going to come out and are you going to play like you did play against Oklahoma, a good team, a quality opponent? Or are you going to come out and you play and put up numbers like you did against a Rutgers? If you do that against a Penn State, well, we know you're for real. But if you come out and all you're able to do is muster 16, 20 points, well, then either you're not for real or Penn State is just that much better. Here's what it's going to be for Penn State. And I know we're talking a lot about McSworley. We're talking a lot about Saquon Barkley. What do they have on defense? The next three games, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, the most important part of their team in these next three games for me, has nothing to do with the offense. It's not the quarterback. It's not the running back. It's the defense. And the reason why I say that, against Michigan, I am saying, and this will give away my pick, I don't care, I don't think this defense for Penn State is going to have too many problems against Michigan. You look at this pass defense from Penn State, they are a top 10 defense against the pass. They've only given up just over a thousand yards on the season, and they are giving up an average of 167.8 a game. That is the ninth best defense in the league. Now, Michigan is third, they're only at 138. However, when you're going up against McSworley, I expect him to get more than 138 yards. 
Also, another thing, like I said, if that defense is on the field more and more and more and you're kind of wearing them down with that run game, that'll open things up for McSworley because the defense will be so tired from being on the field. That's the game plan I would go at into it. I just don't think O'Corn is going to be able to crack this Penn State defense. That's why, to me, the big test. And Lewerke with the Michigan State Spartans, I think the same thing. I think that the Penn State defense will win that battle. That's who I'm giving the slider to. It comes down to that Ohio State-Penn State game. And I'm not saying, like, when I was talking up JT Barrett, I'm talking up this offense, I'm not expecting Ohio State to go in there and just run rough shot, win 72 to nothing, walk out with the victory. I expect it to be a really good game. I expect it to be a high-scoring game. I expect it to be one of the better games when we get to that week of college football. But the big thing that I look at is this Penn State defense. If this defense comes into each one of these next three games with that kind of, we're coming in to do our job and then we're leaving, that thing we see from Alabama where it's like, you know what, come in, do your job, win the game, leave. Come in, do your job, win the game, leave. If we get that from this defense, boom, 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 they'll win all three They'll win the Big Ten East, and then it'll be, okay, we got to beat Wisconsin, which isn't as much of a—it's not as big of a threat as Ohio State or what they have to go through in these next three games. I would put Wisconsin above Michigan right now. Don't know where I'd put Michigan State or Wisconsin. Maybe they're, like, right here even. But Wisconsin's not a caliber team like Ohio State is. Ohio State's the toughest opponent that Penn State's going to play in their conference, either side of the conference, if this defense comes to play, they will win every game that that defense shows their A game because the offense has the weapons to win. If the defense gives Saquon Barkley and McSworley more opportunities, Penn State will win all three of these games. So, see, you're, you're looking at the defense, and you're saying you're, you want to see this defense mm-hmm. uh, come out and play. I, I look at the offense. I look at the offense here because, yeah, you have a lot of weapons, but you cannot come out and you cannot start slow. Yes, you know we, we we've seen how teams have come out and they've started slow. Mm-hmm. And, you know they haven't been able to get things going. Then they're having to force the football in in there, make throws that they don't want to make. You know, abandon the run game. They need to. Penn State has to be able to hold true to what it likes to do. It likes to go with McSorley, but it also likes to be able to have a solid dose of Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. And he's, I mean, they're going to go to him, whether it's via the running game, the passing game, the return, whatever it is. But I think it's very important for this offense to be able to get things going quickly and move things against these defenses because they're going up against some good defenses. They're mm-hmm. going up against a good Michigan defense who's on, who's giving up less than 15 points a game to teams on average. You're going up against a tough Ohio State defense, and you're going up against a tough Michigan State defense. So I really want to be able to see this offense put some points on the board and move the football down the field, take some shots against these defenses, and show some confidence that you are willing to move the ball down the field to take those shots, to throw at their corners, and do that throughout the game. If you are able to stick to that type of game plan and then have it work successfully, that's what's going to be able to have you win this game. As much as defense is important, offense is 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 equally as important because you know, if you if your defense is doing its job, you want to see your offense 
putting up some points mm-hmm. to be able to give yourself a nice lead. And, the one- and I think Penn State is I, – I think Penn State can do that. And one thing that if you're a Penn State fan, you should be comforted by this. You, you went up against a pretty good, pretty solid Northwestern defense. Yeah, things did not go well in the first half. But you showed that you can make adjustments at halftime mm-hmm. and that you can make those adjustments and do some really good things coming out in the second half. So that's also really important. It speaks to your coaching, but it also speaks to your players as well to be able to make those adjustments, see some different things on the field, see some different things in the defensive uh, motions and shifts and everything like that. And I think that if Penn State's able to do that throughout the next three games, mm-hmm. they're going to be very successful. Here's the one last thing I'm going to bring up with Penn State, and this is the last two points. Like, the whole time I've been putting the good the good mojo on Penn State, the what I think they'll do to win, how will they win these next three games. Here are the two little bits of history. You know me, Brandon. I, I like my history. I think history repeats itself more times than not. And two things I look at, first off, James Franklin has yet to beat Jim Harbaugh in this Michigan-Penn State rivalry. For the last two years, James Franklin's been at Penn State since 14, Jim Harbaugh since 15. Last two years, Michigan has beaten Penn State. And I'm not saying like, oh, they lost twice before, they're going to lose this one. It's not the same Michigan team. I know it's It's different. It's not the same Michigan team. I know it's different, but I look at it and I go, just from that point, something about a Jim Harbaugh team has been able to get the edge on a James Franklin team. I know this team is different. Another thing, and this is the one that would scare me even more if I was a Penn State fan, since 2014 when James Franklin's been here, you've lost twice to Ohio State, and your only win was a three-point win last season. However, that was at home. The last time this Penn State team won in Columbus was 2011, 20 to 14. That's the game that scares me the most out of the next three, Ohio State, Penn State. That's the Big East championship right there. But of course, everyone from the beginning of the season predicted that that would be the Big East champion or the Big Ten East championship. You like your history. I like my right now. Yeah. And that's how I have to look at this. This is how you, and that's just quite honestly how you have to look at it. You have to throw everything else out the window, Mm -hmm. as you always do. And look at this is not the same Michigan Wolverine team that they're going to be playing. They I mean, mm-hmm. they don't even have a solid quarterback in their starting. The Penn State defense should be able to really get all over John O'Corn. Mm-hmm. They they really should, and there should be no excuse if they can't do that. And then yeah, they may have beat Penn, uh, Ohio State last year, and it may have been at home, but it doesn't matter. You beat them. You beat them. You just have to be able to go in there to Ohio State, have the mindset, all right, we're here. This is a big game. we got to be up. We've got to go out. we got to play our best best football, and we cannot turn the football over. Mm-hmm. If you can hold on to the football, control the time of possession, not turn the football over, you can go in there, and you can go in and just beat about anybody. Here's the last thing I want to ask you, and this has to do with the Buckeye schedule moving forward. Penn State schedule moving forward, which one would you rather have? I am putting you in the seat of a head coach of a college football team. Could be anything. Name a mascot. That's your mascot. You're playing your toughest ranked opponents. Would you rather have them one, two, three, like Penn State has them the next few few weeks, 
or would you rather have what Ohio State has? Give me one here, then in Iowa, give me another one, then in Illinois, then give me the last one. Well, I was going to say that I would like it how Penn State is because it would go one, two, three. You, you, there is no loss of, of energy or momentum mm-hmm. or anything like that because boom, boom, boom. But at the same time, you do that, you get those out of the way, and then you go boom, 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 and you're playing Illinois, you're playing Rutgers, you're playing you know teams like that. Mm-hmm. Rutgers, Nebraska, and Maryland, who's, who they got after that. So you're playing teams at a much lower caliber. Mm-hmm. That does you no good when you're going into the Big Ten championship game. Who, because right you right just, now it's probably going to be Wisconsin. Because you, you, you just played three teams that it was like, eh, you know, we... You know, we played them, mm-hmm. we beat them. There wasn't a ton of energy because we just weren't getting up on that same level. Mm-hmm. Now, can you find that level again to get up and and go in and try and win the Big Ten championship? I I I, I don't know. I I like having them back to back to back, but I would like to maybe have two back to back and then a final one right before mm-hmm. you end the regular season. Part of me wants to lean towards the way Ohio State has it. Give me one, then have the basically the off week in between. The only thing that scares me about that as a fan is that Iowa game on the road at Iowa. Illinois doesn't scare me. I'm sorry. I'm an Illinois fan. I even have to say that it doesn't scare me. But when you have those opponents in between, does that give that opportunity for that to be a trap game and for you to let your guard down because it's like, pfft. We're not playing Michigan today. We're not playing Michigan State. We're not playing Penn State. We could kind of take this one off. We, we we got this in the bag. That's what I would worry about when you have them kind of spread out like that instead of bingo, bango, bongo, right three in a row. Yeah. No, I I, I, I would agree. I, I kind of see it on both mm-hmm. sides. I like the three in a row, but I also do think, okay, if you do that, you get those three out of the way, whatever you do. I mean, let's mm-hmm. say that you do well against them. And you're in the spot that you want to be, and now you have just three kind of clunker games. Mm-hmm. You know, can you get right back to that same energy level to go and play in this Big Ten championship game that has a ton of stuff riding on the line? Can you do that? But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below in the comment section. This was a long one. This is I'm calling this the jumbo set to start the game. We're going in the jumbo set. We're getting the podcast started off right. You guys let us know what you guys think. Can Penn State survive? This schedule, can they do it? Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. But Brandon, let's move on into our next topic. And we're taking a look at, this is the first time I believe we've taken a look at this team since we did our preseason preview about them when we looked at the SEC. And that is the Tennessee Volunteers. And what we're looking at today is basically Butch Jones. I mean, this is a team that, can't score a touchdown on offense. They've lost their last two, got demolished and shut out by Georgia, lost to South Carolina, should have lost to UMass, pulled that win out of their butt, and lost to the Florida Skaters in a game that they probably should have won 26-20. to Hasn't been a good season for the Volunteers. And instead of talking, Brandon, about should Butch Jones be fired, will he be fired, I got a different question for you. I'm just going to cut the chase, screw the middleman. Who should replace Butch Jones at Tennessee? Give me a name. Who should be the new head coach for the Volunteers? 
Well, this is not going to be a surprise to anybody who watches this, just because I've mentioned his name multiple times before, only because I feel like it makes the most sense for him and then also for the program, and that's Les Miles. I I feel this way because Les Miles has been in this SEC system for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's currently in the booth with Fox Sports. I get that. But I think he would so easily come out of retirement if Tennessee wanted to entertain the thought of bringing him on because he wants to find a high-profile job yet again. And let's remember, in 11 years, he was 114-34. and 34. It's a pretty darn good coaching record. Mm-hmm. Now, someone might be leery, and Tennessee might be, but I think they're leery right now of the guy they've got, and that's Butch Jones. It's Les Miles. The offense at LSU his last couple of years wasn't great. He got a lot of flack because the offense couldn't score points. Defense, great. Offense couldn't score. Didn't matter that the defense was as good as it was. But I think if you could bring in Les Miles, mm-hmm. guy who has been you know, called the Mad Hatter for a reason, he is really good at what he does. Mm-hmm. His defenses have been phenomenal. Tennessee doesn't know what that is right now. And I think that he would be able to bring in some great recruits. He's a high-profile name. Tennessee needs some life again in that program. Who better than Les Miles to bring that life back to the Tennessee Volunteers, back to that stadium? I think the fans would be excited. I think he would give them hope and promise. And it would be a guy who's got a, a proven track record. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't just somebody who was an interim, did well as an interim. You know, now he's, you know, coming in and we'll see what he does. He has proven himself time and time again in this conference, mm-hmm. in the SEC. He knows how to coach It's not the like, SEC. oh, I'm, I, he was over in the Pac-12 where they play their games after everyone's gone to bed. And, <laughs> you know, he, he was doing, you know, pretty good. You know, I had a couple of nine and four seasons. No, no. He was at LSU, where they won, where they did very well. Mm-hmm. Les Miles has got to be a guy that Tennessee looks at. If they don't, what a shame. You took my guy. You took the guy. And I'm sorry. Really, what I'm just I'm gonna, sorry. You, well, you said everything that I was going to say about I'm Les sorry. Miles. We should have planned that the, better. The main reason why Les Miles would be the first one I call is because he knows the SEC. He knows the culture. He knows how to compete with a Nick Saban program. He knows what it takes. Now, is the reason he's the Mad Hatter, is he going to do things sometimes that when they don't get a fourth down on a fake punt, you go, the fuck you doing? Just punt the ball. Is he going to do that? Yes. You're going to love him when it succeeds, though. However, 114 and 34 in 11 years, including a national championship and two SEC titles, I'll take that pedigree. I will take it. I got an interesting one for you. And I want you just, I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to give my little two cents, and it's going to catch you off guard. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Jim Bob Cooter. Yeah, no, I was thinking the same thing. I, I mean, was thinking he, the same he, thing. He has a history at Tennessee. Look at what he's been able to do in the NFL right now. Like, the thing I look at is you're thinking, you were talking about this defense. Like, this defense is not good. The one thing I think of when it comes to Tennessee is, yes, the SEC, you need a defense to play, 
But I let's get this offense going, man. Let's get some let's get some points on the board. Like there is a problem when after this SC game that they were saying, yeah, you know what? The last touchdown the Vols scored was when they beat UMass. It's been two games since the Vols have scored a touchdown on offense. That is a problem. Give me a guy that's going to go out there and is going to put an offense on the field because, yes, if you stop the other team from scoring, you'll put yourself in a chance to win the game, but it doesn't help if they kick a field goal and you can't score. You lose 3 to nothing every single time. You got to put points on the board. Jim Bob Cooter, though, is an interesting one because I don't know if they call him. Does he? Does he? Well, he'll pick up the phone because he might not know who's calling. But does he take that call or does he say, you know, I- I'm good here with Matthew Stafford and the Lions. We got some good things going here in Detroit. Well, here's even the bigger thing: is that okay? You know, they're Tennessee. They're calling for a head coach for, mm-hmm. for a head coaching spot. But he may be trying to bide his time for an NFL, NFL head, head coaching, coaching spot. spot. I mean, right now he is. They're, they're doing some really good things with Matt Stafford because mm-hmm. before he took over that offensive uh, offensive coordinator spot with the Lions, things were not the same. Mm-hmm. Matt Stafford was not the same. He was not the $25 million a year guy mm-hmm. that he is right now. And, and Matt Stafford is good. I mean, he's a great quarterback. Do I think that he is the one who should be getting paid the most out of any quarterback in the league? No. He shouldn't because there's guys better than him, but he's a very, very good quarterback. That wouldn't happen without Jim Bob Cooter. That offense, that Lions offense, which, you know, couldn't beat the Saints, um, is is really, really good. Thanks, they always come back, Thanks to though. Jim Bob Cooter. They're always the cardiac cats, always well, coming back. And didn't, didn't help that their defense didn't do, some, didn't do some great things either. When they made it 45-38, mm-hmm. to 38, did not help that that punt return was, it was you know, fumbled. Whatever. Mm-hmm. That's not the point. But... I think Jim Bob Cooter would not go to Tennessee only only because I think he wants to stay with mm-hmm. Detroit. I think Detroit has a very very um positive stance on this season even though they're 3 and 3. Mm-hmm. I still think they believe now that Aaron Rodgers is injured and and most likely for the rest of the season mm-hmm. this NFC North have has all of a sudden just busted wide open. And a lot of people may say, oh, the Vikings, it's going to be theirs to win. I don't be so sure. It's the Vikings and it's the Lions. And who's going to win that? And I know the Packer fans, if they were listening to this, would you know tell me to screw off. But mm-hmm. you're just not the same. Don't matter. They you got think, Brett Hundley. They think that the Lions do, that mm-hmm. they have a very real shot. Jim Bob Cooter, I think, is thinking the same thing. They have a real shot to make the playoffs, to be in the playoffs, and possibly go somewhere in the mm-hmm. playoffs. He wants to be able to put that on his resume for an NFL head coaching job. That's that's what I think. I don't think that he would want to go and play at Tennessee where he could get more money in the NFL, more prestige in the mm-hmm. NFL. But you have that connection to Tennessee. You had that connection under Philip Fulmer. Remember when you won Tennessee? You Maybe you don't because that was all the way back to Philip Fulmer. But um, I, I think that that is something that could, that could mm-hmm. be a reason why he would want to go back but I think for everything that they're, that's going on with the Lions right now, for how even at three and three, how well they've been doing with the progress that Stafford has showed, with everything like that, I think he enjoys where he's at. Thinks that they can continue to do something in Detroit, and if anything, he wants that NFL head coaching spot. I'm gonna throw a name out there, and I want you to give me yes or no and why. Chip Kelly. 
You had you, you got to mention him at every big coaching vacancy. Here you go, Chip Kelly. Yes or no? Why? I'm gonna say no. I don't feel like it would be the right spot. SEC. I mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that would be Is the right spot for Chip Kelly. Is it because he's all offense and you think that like you think that the Chip Kelly gimmick just wouldn't work in the SEC? I just don't know if it would. I mean, it certainly worked at, at Oregon. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't see Chip Kelly as an SEC guy mm-hmm. because we we see a lot of times how you have to be successful in the SEC. And let's look at two teams that are being very, very successful right now, Alabama and Georgia. Defense. Mm-hmm. Defense. I mean, they've got offense. We know that. We've seen well, it. Well, they also have quarterbacks but, who are doing very well right now. But but defense. You know, I, I could see Kelly as a, as a coordinator mm-hmm. coming over and being an, like an offensive coordinator. But I don't know if I could see him being the head coach in the SEC for an SEC program. And the thing that I'm looking at right now, because I've I've got a few that I'm thinking of, but the thing that I'm thinking more is like, is there for this, if Butch Jones gets fired, of course this is a what if he gets fired, is there a coach from a small team, a non-Power 5 team that gets the bid? Like we have a P.J. Fleck with um, Minnesota, how we saw the Baylor Bears dip into the non-Power 5 ranks. You got Fuentes with Virginia Tech, was with Memphis, and he wasn't a Power 5 guy. And really looking at it, the only one that I can think of, and I just don't think they do, like there's two guys, actually two guys, that I'm thinking about. The first one is Charlie Strong at South Florida. 6-0 and this season, 3-0. and However, with yeah, he coached in the Power Five with Louisville, but then everything that happened at Texas totally was just a shit show, to put it frank. Would you even look at a guy like Charlie Strong for this job, or would you say, no, he's not our guy, I don't think he's an SEC guy? How about this? So I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm not going to go with somebody from a smaller school. Okay. I'm going to go for someone from... No school. Okay. How about John Gruden? I was going to bring, I was waiting. I was going to bring him up. How about last. John Gruden? Do you think he would, like, do you think he would leave the, like, okay. One, I think he would leave the broadcast booth. My question is, would he leave the broadcast booth for Tennessee? That is where I'm like, I don't know. So when the Tennessee job opened back in 2012, mm-hmm. they tried to, to woo him there. Mm-hmm. He didn't take it. Clearly, we know. Yeah. He didn't take it, but he called the coaching position with Tennessee his dream job. Mm-hmm. If he had the chance to go back to the quote-unquote dream job mm-hmm. coaching spot, do you think he could do it? Do you think he would do it? I think that I think it would. I think he'd think about it, and that's all you need when it comes to something like this. All you need is the person to think about it. Put the seed in there. And Anything's you, possible at that point. And you said it just a little bit ago when mm-hmm. I was talking about what do the good teams in the SEC have. Mm-hmm. They have really good – they have offense, but they have really good defense. As you said, they've got quarterbacks. What does John Gruden have on ESPN Monday Night Football? Quarterback camp. Quarterback camp. The guy knows quarterbacks. Knows how to work with them. And he know Exactly. He knows – the small tweaks that we won't even notice as a, mm-hmm. as a casual fan that we wouldn't even notice. 
He picks up on that. He gets it. He can change it. He can develop it. That's what he would need Mm -hmm. to do at Tennessee. That's what Tennessee would need, among another million things, to be a competitive team once again. I, I think that if he if he went there, if he went there, know I know it, I, I know it sounds so so dreamy mm-hmm. now, and and a lot of people I think would say, well, you know, he's been at ESPN, he's been on Monday Night Football. Why would he give that up? It's such a solid gig. It's such an easy gig. He's making making good money. Blah blah blah. But if he's saying that that was the dream job, that that mm-hmm. is the dream job, and it opens up. Why not? Why not try and go for it? Why not try and go for it? You know Tennessee's going to call him. Why not? What else do they have to lose? Well, and I mean, the thing that I think about is, and I have had this kind of thought with John Gruden. There was an article I read maybe like a year or two ago, and it it was something about like, does is John Gruden getting sick of doing Monday Night Football? And, like, you got to think of what's going on with ESPN right now with everything changing. I mean, I'm not saying that in the broadcast booth. I mean, really, you can't can't judge anymore from what it looks like on TV because look at Mike and Mike. They looked like they had a great relationship behind the scenes. It was toxic as all hell. But thankfully, they were two professionals who were able to keep it together when they were on screen. I don't know. John Gruden, personally, I'm not going to say that. He's not, oh, he's not yet quite a, a, a good friend of the show yet. Not I, yet. He's, he's we'll, soon to be. We'll have him on once or twice. Maybe when he accepts the job at Tennessee, we'll have him on. But I, I'm not, I don't know how he feels towards Sean McDonough, who is now the play-by-play for Monday Night Football. But you got to think of that. He'd been doing it for, with Mike Tirico for so long. Then Tirico leaves to go to NBC now you get like, and then that at that point, it's like John might be sitting there going, "Do I even want to be here anymore, man? Do I even want to be here on Monday night? I could go to Tennessee." And he did attend a Tennessee game. I want to say it was around October. Actually, yeah, it was. I'm looking right here. Attends Tennessee game in Knoxville. Sends Val's Twitter to hashtag Groomers Frenzy. And that was this past weekend. This article was actually put out two days ago on um, seccountry.com backslash Tennessee. I'm not saying, like, it's not far-fetched. I can see him. It's not as far-fetched as one might think. I could see him leaving ESPN. I just, I don't know if I visualize him taking the Tennessee job. Oh, I don't, uh, here's the thing, Ricky, is there's no way mm -hmm. in my mind that he leaves ESPN if he's not going for a coaching job. Why Why would you leave? Well, here's my question. I'll ask why would, you. Why would you leave? Same thing we talked about Jim Bob Cooter. Would John Gruden rather, would he rather get a job in the NFL or college? I don't think necessarily thinks, think he wants a job in the NFL. He's had multiple opportunities to be able to do it. I don't think he wants a job in the NFL. He hasn't taken any spots. More pressure. It, and I understand. I, I don't necessarily know if that's it, but mm-hmm. I just think when a guy says that his dream job is coaching at Tennessee and that Tennessee job comes open, mm-hmm. if he don't go for it, it's not a dream job for him. I mean, it's simple as that. I guess. If, Ricky, if you have a dream job placed mm-hmm. in front of you, I mean, I know we're doing MVP, mm-hmm. but if you have a dream job that's placed in front of you, do you just drop everything and go for that dream job? Because guess what? It may not come up again. If, I you, did. Don't, if you don't do it, it's not your dream job. Well, I'm going to, this is actually story time with Ricky now. This is actually. This is a bonus feature, folks. This is actually hitting close to home because right. this is what happened. Two dream, like there were 
two jobs that I've had, like in my head, that like that's what I wanted. The first one was in college. I studied to be an educator, studied to be a music teacher. I wanted nothing more than to teach at my old high school. Would have been the dream. Be the guy at my old high school to run the band program. Didn't get it. I will admit, weeped like a little fucking baby when I when I read that, no, you're not getting the job. The second dream job that I've ever had, we're doing it right now. We're doing it right now. And of course, it's not the full-time thing, but I have basically pretty much dropped everything to try to do this. And that's why, like, bringing it back to what you said, where it's like, and what I said earlier, the thought just needs to be there. You put the thought in Gruden's head, that's all you need. Because most people make their decision very quickly. Like, people who sit there and go, ah, I'm going to think of the options, most of the time, your first reaction to it, yes or no, is the one you go to the people that just think about it most times it's i just want re i just want other people to reaffirm that i'm making the right choice that my gut is the right way but more times than not you're going to go with your gut you're going to go with your first choice well i was going to say the same thing is that people when they when they want to take it and and look at it and mm-hmm. you know think about it they already have like you said they already have an idea in their head they already are leaning one way or another mm-hmm. it's hardly it's 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 very rare when people are on the like literally down the middle on the fence mm-hmm. i find that to be rare people are leaning one way or more one way or another maybe not very far but they're leaning more one way or another and they need to take a look and see okay pros and cons you know you know positives negatives and then a lot of times that reaffirms what you're already mm-hmm. thinking you already have an idea in your mind of what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And for John Gruden, it would very much surprise me that if the Tennessee job came available, and right now a lot of things are pointing to it will be coming available at mm-hmm. some point, whether it's during the year or after, that it will be open. And at some point, that athletic director will go to John Gruden and say, John, how you doing? <laughs> You've been great. You've been great on Monday night football. He'd be the first call. You've the been, first call out of the you've game. You've been great on Monday night football, but how about you come and you'd be great for Tennessee football? I mean, that's the call you have to make if you're that athletic director. Otherwise, you're just a goof. And plus for the school, I mean, recruiting wise, it'd be a great move because like that's kind of like the move that Illinois was thinking with Lovey Smith. And that's worked out just swimmingly. Well, I mean, on the field not, but I mean <laughs> No, he, he has no brought, not at all. He has brought in some recruits that did did good things in high school. Um, but I want to throw out one last candidate, and this is one that we don't have to go long on. Let's say John Gruden says no. They call John. John says, no, nah, I'm staying with ESPN. I want to ask you this. If Kevin Sumlin gets fired, does Tennessee look into bringing Sumlin over to Tennessee where it's like, hey, you can stay in the SEC. We know that you're basically an 8-8 eight eight guy. You want to get over that hump. But the good thing about our side, you don't have to see Alabama until you get to the SEC title game. Do you think if someone gets fired, he could be someone Tennessee looks at? Um, if he was sloppy fifths. Mm-hmm. 
That that's that's how I think that would ever happen. He's not a number one guy. He's not a number two. He's not a number three. If they couldn't find anybody else, that's maybe who they would go with. So you, give, you, you've seen you've seen what Kevin Sumlin's done. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the record that screams I'm going to be a winner. Give me your top three, the three guys that you call in order from first being the first call you make, third being the last call you make. Number one would be John Gruden. Mm-hmm. Number two is Les Miles. Number three is Jim Bob Cooter. I'm going to differ from you a little bit. The first one's John Gruden. The second one's Les Miles. Boom, boom, one, two. The third one is going to shock you. It's a guy we have not talked about. Major Applewhite. I go to a guy, smaller school, has I know that basically it's he's taken what um, Tom Herman had already built in Houston. I like what they're like out of the power, the lesser power fives. He to me is the the king of everything because you're. I don't think that Charlie Strong even gets an offer, and I don't think there's any power non power five coaches that have the pedigree to do it. But that's the third call I make. If I need a fourth, then I'll put Jim Bob Cooter. I just don't think Jim Bob Cooter is going to leave the Lions to come to college. I think he wants to stay in the NFL, go for a head coaching job. Any final thought before we push it on to them? Absolutely. Uh, this <laughs> all comes down to this all comes down to John Curry, mm-hmm. who is the athletic director at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. He's only been the athletic director since February 28, twenty seventeen. What he does is going to be huge because this is going to be big on his reputation. Mm-hmm. And if he's going to get rid of Butch Jones and he's going to say, all right, Tennessee football, we're going to start over here. We're going to bring some excellence back to this program. Mm-hmm. He needs to make a splash. That's what he's going to be looking to do. How big of a splash is he wanting to make? You have to go for that number one guy. You have to make the call to John Gruden. Whether or not he they come, you have to make the call to Gruden. You have to make the call to Les Miles. You have to go for these high-profile guys. Mm-hmm. You have to do it. If you're truly committed to going back to Tennessee success and excellence, that's what you have to do because you need to keep your job and you need to try and make that splash. John Curry, new guy, he needs to make a good impression on the rest of the fans. And Even though he's the AD, mm-hmm. he needs to make a good impression for his boss. You know who else did the same thing, the exact same thing? Athletic Director Josh Whitman at Illinois. Came in, first thing was the football program. I'm going to get you guys out. I'm going to get my guy in. Hired Lovey Smith. Basketball, we saw it this past offseason. John Gross, you've been great. Going to get you out. I'm bringing my guy in with Brad Underwood. And we're sure hoping that you didn't have anything to do with that NCAA scandal back in your old school. We're crossing our fingers hoping because I don't need that coming over to the Illinois Fighting Illini. But this is what you guys come in. Let us know. First off, do you think Butch Jones is getting fired? I, I think we I think we can say yes. I think that's a foregone conclusion. But also tell me, who would you guys, and Tennessee fans, who would you want to be your next coach? Who would be your pie in the sky? And then who would be your realistic coach to take over the job for the volunteers? Let us know down below in the comment section. But Brandon, let's move on into our final topic, looking at one of your favorite con. I, I was going to be realistic, but let's be jokingly. It's your favorite conference. You love this conference. You stay up late every single Saturday just to watch these games on the West Coast. That's why I'm tired all the time. That's why you're always tired. You're always watching your Pac-12 football. And we're looking specifically at the Pac-12 North. And the reason why we're looking at the North 
is because... Because there's no reason to look at the South. Well, I mean, the South is interesting only because it's USC's to lose. And I don't think they're going to lose it however they could. However, in they've the North... Tried. They've tried. In the North, we had Washington go down to the Sun Devils. We had Cal defeat Washington State. And now because of those two upsets, we kind of have a three-dog race... In the Pac-12 North, we've got Stanford 4-1, half-game lead. They're technically at the top. Then 3-1 in the conference, the Huskies. 3-1 in the conference, the Cougars. Brandon, I'm just going to be frank and ask it out to you. Which one of these teams, Stanford, Washington, Washington State, which one will win the Pac-12 North the rest of the year? You know, I'll be be honest with you. I want to say Washington, but they, to me, have a have a difficult schedule coming up throughout the rest mm-hmm. of the season. They have to go and they have to play against UCLA on the on the 28th, so that's not this weekend. That's in two weekends. They're off this weekend, and, and that, that's got to be tough because you're still stewing, got to be stewing after that horrible loss to Arizona State. Mm-hmm. So then you're going to be home against UCLA in a couple of weeks, then you're home against Oregon on the road at Stanford, home Utah, Home Washington State. These are some tough games. We saw how close Utah played USC. And mm-hmm. if they would have just gone for the extra point to tie it up. They would have maybe won in overtime. There's, there's a chance. There's a chance. I'm not saying mm-hmm. they would have, but there's a chance. I said maybe. But they, 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 played, they played so well, mm-hmm. Utah did, against that USC team. Stanford. Stanford has shown that they've been good. Washington State has been up and down. I think that, for me, the, the the two teams that I would be nervous of are, surprisingly, UCLA and then Stanford. Hmm. So I, I am still going to go with Washington to win this, but it really is anyone's. It really is anyone's division to win. I, that, I mean, Stanford, quite simply, they can't lose again. They can't lose again. Oh, I think again. they could. I don't think so. They, I'm not saying they they will and still win it. They could, though, and this is why. I think Stanford's my favorite right now. I am going to say Stanford, I think, wins the Pac-12 North, and this is why. First off, they get a bye week this week coming up. Then they play Oregon State. Should, should be. I'm saying should be. Anything can happen, but should be. An easy win on a Thursday night for them in Beaverton, Oregon. Then you get the two tough ones at Washington State, at Washington. Then you play Cal. All you got to do, and it's it's easier said than done, do your business against the Beavers, do your business against the Bears, then at the worst, split between the Washingtons. Because here's the tough part. You were mentioning UCLA, the, the team I don't like, and they both play both Washington teams, is the team that you mentioned first, the Utes. We, we, first time on the podcast, we're talking two Utes because they play the Huskies and then they play the Cougars. They both play these teams, and the funny thing about it, it's November 11th, the Washington State Cougars get Utah, then they get a week off, and then they play the Huskies on the road. The 18th, the Huskies get Utah, and then they play the week after the Cougars at home. So both these teams get a stab at Utah before playing each other. 
all that Stanford needs. Obviously, if they win out, they'll win the whole Pac-12 North. But I like Stanford because they could lose one of the games against Washington. And then basically it's whoever, if one of them loses to Utah, the other one just needs to lose to each other and they could win. I'm not I'm saying like that's a ton of stuff that needs to happen. I just I like the Stanford team. I like what they've done. Like ever since we've mentioned the guy Bryce Love, he's been going off. Like he's been having himself a little bit of a year. I still think Saquon Barkley wins the Heisman. I don't think Love's a Heisman candidate, but I just I like the Stanford team and I think that they are a dark horse late in this year because no one expected them to be leading the Pac-12 North this part of the year. Everyone expected Washington to be at the top, probably undefeated. Well, here's the thing I think with Stanford is that they're going to beat um, Oregon State. They're going to mm-hmm. beat Oregon State. Big or close? Big, big league? Oh, they're, small league? They're, they're, they're going to kill them. Okay, They're so, gonna kill so not, a, not it, a Syracuse-Clemson it, game? No, it's it's Oregon State. Okay. It's on the road, but Oregon State, come on now. Um, and then Washington State is the team that I think that they could beat. Washington, mm-hmm. I think that they'll struggle with. Cal, they should beat, but then Notre Dame at the end. I don't think they'll beat Notre Dame. But here's the thing. That Notre Dame game, they could lose the Notre Dame game, doesn't matter. Does not matter, because the only ones that matter are Oregon State, Washington State, Washington, and Cal. So Washington, they're definitely going to have competition against. I I think UCLA. I know I, mm-hmm. I think it's it, it's it's some people are going to think that's silly, but I think they're going to have competition there. I think they'll probably still end up winning that game. They'll beat Oregon, Stanford. I think Washington beats, but Utah is going to be a tough one. Washington State, I think they'll beat. So I think it's really going to come down to that Utah game because I think Washington, they're they're better. I don't have a lot of respect for the for the Pac-12. I think that's pretty clear. But oh, I, that's I, why I said it's your favorite conference. I, I I don't. They're weak. But I think that when it comes down to it, mm-hmm. it's going to be that Utah game. They are not as bad Washington as what they showed against Arizona State. They are not that bad to lose thirteen to seven to only score seven points and to lose to Arizona State. Not that bad. But that Utah game is the one that would scare me the most mm-hmm. because of what Utah was able to do against USC. Don't and, forget, and it's I, only a three-point loss to Stanford the game before. And I was going to say, and I and I understand that you, that USC game and that USC team mm-hmm. is not as good as what it was last year. Certainly, we've seen that they've found ways to win, but they're certainly not doing it in the same style they did last year. But Utah is going to be tough. Washington State is uh, they're they're ranked fifteenth, but mm-hmm. uh, generously, they have not played that well this season. Stanford, I they they've been a kind of an up and down team. For me, Washington beats them. They will have an interesting game with Utah, and that's what's going to be, I think, the deciding factor. Well, and that's the thing that that's the main reason why right now at this point when we're recording this on. October 16th, I like Stanford because when you look at their schedule, they only have, yeah, they've got Notre Dame at the end of the year, but the good thing about Notre Dame, you can lose that and it's not going to affect I know. your Pac-12 standing. I, I, I know it's not going to impact your, impact your Pac-12 standing. That's a, that's a playoff thing at that point. If you're going into that game knowing you have won the North, that is a game to where we win this, then we win the Pac-12 title, 
and then we're in the playoff conversation. That's what that game could mean, but you got to win the North first. But again, but that's also what I'm saying too is mm-hmm. that it, it them them winning the North is is like, you know, you know, Joe Blow winning the American. No mm-hmm. one cares, and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But I I think that um that's why if they if they lose to 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 Notre Dame in that in that last game, they may have won their side. Mm-hmm. But they're not necessarily going anywhere. That's I mean that's that's you what I'm saying. You gotta win and, that and, and game I, and to I know, even be in the playoff talk. Is that's what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. And I know someone's gonna say, well, if they still win their their side in, in the North, and then they they win the uh, the Pac-12 title game, they're still gonna be in the playoff talk. But you won't because mm-hmm. there's gonna be someone who is stronger than you, somebody somewhere else in another Power Five. Well, and now with everything that ha- like so far, we talked about in the first segment. So far, what happened this past week? Like we're having this conversation. Because of Arizona State, because of Cal. That's the only reason we're having this conversation right now of what happened last week. Clemson goes down. Washington goes down. Washington State goes down. We had a ton of other teams. Auburn, didn't forget about you. You guys all. You know what's the funny thing about Auburn that I didn't say earlier? I told you this before we're recording, but I'm telling you again so they can hear. The Auburn mascot dressed up like the Troy Trojan. And like, oh, we're mocking uh, LSU up 20, and then they blew a 20-0 lead. I kind of found that hilarious. I think that's hilarious. But the thing I like with Stanford schedule-wise is, or like you said, Oregon State they should beat. And of the teams not named Washington, yeah, I know Cal beat Washington State, and people are going to say, well, you can't sleep on Cal. They beat the Cougars, so they can beat the Cardinals. I am not that afraid of Cal like I would be of Utah. And that is a team both the Huskies and both the Cougars need to play. And the big thing for me, a big question, and you even sent me a text about it, about the Cal game on Friday night, was you even said, you sent me a text, you're like, man, Luke Falk does not look good. Five interceptions, no touchdowns. Can't have a game well, like that well, if you, they need to you, win. Did you hear after the game, mm-hmm. uh, reporters were talking to him. He said, I just don't know if I have it anymore. So he said, Big Ben did. I'm kidding. He didn't say that. <laughs> but, 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 the, the Big Ben syndrome. It's going around <laughs> nowadays. It's going around like but, a bug. But, that, that's, but that's why I think Stanford and Washington are the ones. Mm-hmm. I, I would actually not even put Washington State in there because Washington State has not to me they should have lost earlier in the season when they played uh San, Sandy not San Diego State, State but Boise State they should have lost that game mm-hmm. Boise State let them right back in it and let them win it and then they they didn't look good at all against a a, a Cal team that mm-hmm. actually has shown some glimpses they showed a little bit against USC but USC was able to pull away get the win but that doesn't mean that Cal is all of a sudden this team that's going to go out and beat everybody the yeah. rest of the season but Washington State, I think, is the weakest of the three mm-hmm. of them. I think Washington is the strongest of the three of them. Stanford is a sneaky one, especially because they're right now currently at four and one. Mm-hmm. They all have one loss. That's not going to be how it ends up. Let me ask it, you: it, It's Stanford and Washington. It 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 does come down to that that Stanford Washington game mm-hmm. on November tenth. But then I think for Washington, they they've got to be able to play well against Utah, which is the game right after that. Let me ask you this, and this is kind of just for Washington. The 13-7 to lost Arizona State. Are you seeing that as a fluke? Was that a fluke that 
The Jake Browning, only 17 of 30 for 139 yards, no touchdowns. You got Gaskin, only 67 yards in that game. Was that a fluke, or could a team in the Pac-12 come in and play defensively strong like the Sun Devils did and upend the Huskies again? I think that was a fluke. I really do. I think that was a fluke because when you when you go through the, the, the Cal game, they won 38-7. Mm-hmm. They won 38-7, won that with ease. Oregon State, 42-7. Colorado, 37-10. That was a fluke. That was a fluke. It was a very, very bad fluke, but a fluke nonetheless. And the thing I want to look at, it. okay, they last year, no, I'm looking at 2015. I don't know why my computer did that. I wanted to look at 2016. 2016 they did, they're they're almost going to do the same thing they did in 2016, except the loss came later. They started off 9-0. Everyone was talking about Washington. Could they be a playoff team? And then they go ahead, lose to uh, Southern Cal. Then they go ahead, womp on Arizona State. They whoop the Cougars. And then they completely bulldozed the Buffalo. But that game, I will say, we'll go back to that quarterback decision with the I wouldn't have put in the injured quarterback from the first half into that game. He lost them the game with that interception to start the second half. I, I'm going to get off it. They beat the, they beat Colorado. That was basically it. Washington can do that again. Just because this team has one loss right now doesn't mean they're dead in the water. And I am with you. If there's any team not like, obviously I said, I think Stanford's going to do it. But if I had to pick someone else, I would go with the Huskies only because they have the team. They have the coach that has been here before. Like if I'm coach Peterson, I'm in that locker room going, guys, this happened last year. This is the same exact thing that happened last year. We lost a tough game to a Trojan team that was going nowhere last year. Going absolutely nowhere. What did we do? We rebounded. And the good thing for them, UCLA could be a trap game, but UCLA not playing like they were at the beginning of the year. Oregon, better team with Willie Taggart. However, don't think they have the stuff to hang on. The big thing for Washington and it comes down to kind of a similar thing we looked at Penn State. Washington has three games. The only difference, theirs are at the end of the season where they have to go through a gambit. They have to play Stanford on the road. Then they have to play Utah, which will be a tough a tough opponent. Utah plays the top teams in this conference tough. They played Stanford tough. They played the Trojans tough. And then they got to play the Cougars. And the Cougars... Yes, you could say, well, the Huskies will win it, but the only way I give the Cougars a chance in that game is because it's a rivalry game, and anything can happen in a rivalry game. Could be a blowout, could be a close one, or could be an upset. And that's the thing with the Huskies that scares me, is they've got three teams to go through, whereas Stanford only has two. Two tough ones, I should say, to go to. So I'm going to say Stanford is my team right now, if I had to pick one, you're going with the Huskies as your team, right? Yeah. This is where you guys come in. Let us know who you guys take to win the North down below in the comment section. And also, kind of a follow-up question for all you Pac-12 fans out there. Tell my big boy over here why you should start watching Pac-12 football. 
Let him know. Oh, they're going to they're going to let me know why he they're should stay up something. a little later to watch some of these games and not wait for the highlights. Let and, and maybe no, maybe uh, it would be more interesting if your teams played when other college football teams should be playing Saturday, I mean, well, I not mean, Friday. It's kind of like baseball. I had to watch the Cub game. At they started at six. They started. I mean, at obviously, as fans, you guys Eastern. can't control that. Yeah. They started at seven seven thirty Eastern on the East Coast, but you think about it, that was a four thirty start for a baseball game on the West Coast because they were playing in an Eastern yeah. time zone. Yeah, a four thirty start locally. It was like a mid afternoon game, not even a night game for them. But you guys, let us. We're not talking baseball. We're talking football. Let us know who's going to win the Pac twelve North down below in the comments section. But Brandon, it's time to end the podcast. And Brandon, how do we end our podcast? Picks. Making our picks, picks for week numero ocho here on MVP and the Primetime Podcast. And Brandon, how we always do it, we start from the games that are going to happen first. We go all the way through it. The first one, ranked opponent, number 25, Memphis, going into Houston, going into TDECU Stadium. That's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. Cougars and the Tigers, who you got? I'm going to go with Memphis in this one. Going on the road. Memphis has looked better. They seem to have more firepower. Even on the road in Mm -hmm. Houston, Memphis with the win. And technically for this one, it's kind of a tricky one. I'm going to go Memphis as well, but because of the line being two and a half Houston, what are we going to do, Brandon? Upset special. (laughs) The Memphis Tigers get the win. See, those are the games I don't like because ranking-wise, it's not an upset. But because the line is two and a half Houston, it's technically an upset special no matter how you look at it. Then we got our Saturday games. The first one, Maryland going into number five, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, 24-point favorites. Who you got? Maryland's played well at times this season, but they just don't have what it takes to outmatch Wisconsin. Wisconsin's been good. They're at home. They're great at home. Camp Randall is going to be rocking and rolling. Wisco with the win. Yeah, I'm going to go the same thing. Badgers get the W. They go to 7-0. and Probably will win by more than 21 points. Might win by 27 and above. Then the next one, a Big 12 matchup. Number 10, Oklahoma State. Unranked Texas. Texas played Oklahoma tough. I know it was the Red River shootout. It was a rivalry game last week. Oklahoma State, though, only getting seven and a half on the road in Austin. Who you got? Horns or Cowboys? So Texas is looking tougher and tougher each week, I Mm -hmm. think, as, as, as they go on. Oklahoma State coming on the road. Mason Rudolph has been pretty darn good throughout this season. I think that Oklahoma State will be able to get the win. Brandon, Brandon, Brandon. It pains me to do this, but I'm going to pick Oklahoma State. You don't know how badly my hand right now. There's a reason why I'm keeping it stiff right now. And why you have it in the Trump position? Why I have it in the Trump position. Well, this is like a firm Trump position because I I, 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 want to hit it. I want to hit the button so badly. I want to hit upset special, but I'm not. I'm but gonna you can't go. do it. I can't do it. Not a huge enough win for me. Your hands are small. Got to go with the Cowboys over the Longhorns. That's just <laughs> how it's going to be, baby. But now we move in. I don't know. <laughs> Who would you go into? Danny DeVito? Danny DeVito. <laughs> Next one, though, should be an easy one. Number one, Alabama ain't no going to roll the Vols. Yeah. 35-point favorites. Roll time. 35-point favorites in that game. Roll Tide going to win that one. Then an interesting one. Miami, 15-point favorites 
over Syracuse. Miami, another struggle win last week against Georgia Tech. Syracuse coming off a big win against Clemson. You hitting that button, buddy? You going upset special? Cuse over the Canes? I can't do it. Miami's <laughs> at home. They should get the win here in this one. They're, when you're playing against Syracuse in football, you shouldn't mm-hmm. have to be like, hmm, I wonder who's going to win this one. Uh, it's the, anyone who's going against Syracuse. But It's like my- Sean said, Syracuse hasn't been good in football since Donovan McNabb. <laughs> and that's a long time. Miami should get the win here. They're like I said, they're playing. They're playing mm-hmm. at home. They've got weapons. They've they're good on offense. Defensively, I don't think Syracuse has what it takes to be able to hold up against Miami. I'm gonna go Miami, but I'm gonna shock you. Only three point win for Miami. I think that they will be under the line. So like, if I'm betting on it, I'm taking Cuse and points. I don't think Miami's going to win by more than 15. Because you look at Florida State, only beat them. And that was in Tallahassee, only beat them by four. Then you've got Georgia Tech. They only lost by one to Miami, and that was in Miami. I am going to go with Miami to win it, but I am going to say it's going to be under that 15. The Canes beat the Orange by three coming off of that high after beating the Clemson Tigers. Then we've got our another ACC battle, one and six North Carolina. They don't have the Trubiscan anymore, and everything's going to hell down there. In Tar Heel country, going up against number 14, VT, 5-1. and one. Virginia Tech, 21-point favorites. Who you got? Virginia Tech and what should be a really easy one for them. North Carolina so. just doesn't have it this year. Yeah, I'm going to go VT as well. Hokies win this one. And what a year for the Tar Heels. They lose Mitch Trubisky, and now they're 1-6. One 1-6 and six. One and, six and pretty much irrelevant this year in the ACC, and you lose this one in pretty much North Carolina, you're not making a bowl game. You're not going bowl eligible. Well, you might. I take that back. There are five and seven teams that are now getting into bowls, so you could still have a chance to get into a bowl. Then a big, big 10 matchup. We've got Indiana coming off a close loss to Michigan, going into East Lansing to play Sparty. Sparty only a seven-point favorite, Brandon. Only a seven-point favorite. Well, Indiana's defense did a really good job last week against Michigan for most of the game. Mm -hmm. Went into overtime. Michigan ended up winning 27-20. Brian Lewerke doesn't necessarily scream fear into defenses, Mm -hmm. but I do think that Michigan State is more well-rounded than Indiana, and Michigan State at home at Spartan Stadium will get the win in East Lansing. Guess what I'm going to do, Brandon? You're going to hit the button. Upset special. Hoosiers will win by... Hoosiers will win by three. I think it'll be a close game going to overtime. Hoosiers play close. Hoosiers get the win. The pick that I should have made last week, but I was too scared to do it. Then we've got a non-Power 5 matchup. We've got number-ranked 20 UCF undefeated going in to Maryland to play Navy 5-1. and one. The Golden Knights are eight-point favorites. Who do you got, Midshipmen or the Knights? I'm going to go with Navy in this one. I'm going to go with Navy Hit here. Hit the button. Uh, Upset Thank you. special, there you go, sorry. You're really <laughs> a freaking button. This is so lame hitting the table. Hitting the table, well, that's actually the button. Patreon.com backslash most available podcast. Get us a button. Thank you. Go ahead. <laughs> why, why are you picking so Navy? So I'm picking Navy. Zach Abbey, he's been running rampant all season long. I think he's going to continue to do mm-hmm. so against the University of Central Florida. And Navy is at home. I'm going with them. Yeah, I'm going to go Navy as well, hitting the upset special button. You took all 
the special upsetness that I was going to do hitting the button, but I'm going Navy over the Knights, who are eight-point favorites on the road in Maryland. Then going back to the Big 12, number nine, top 10, Oklahoma going into Manhattan, Kansas to play the Thundercats. The Sooners 12-point favorites. Do the Thundercats have it in them to upset them? I don't think so. Oklahoma has looked too good Mm -hmm. since their one loss that they had. They've been good. I I just don't see K-State being able to to get this win. They're at home, but they've had just a couple of tough losses now in a row. Oklahoma's game to game to lose. Yeah, I'm gonna go Oklahoma as well. If they lose by if they win by twelve or less, I will be shocked in this one. Think it's gonna be more than twelve for Oklahoma in this game. Then we go back to the non power fives, undefeated number ranked sixteen, South Florida, the Bulls playing the Green Wave, Matt Forte's old team. The U U USF, I almost said UCF, USF, twelve point favorites as well. Who gets the win, the Bulls or the Wave? Unfortunately for Tulane, they don't have Matt Forte no, anymore. not anymore. Uh, they certainly wouldn't want the current Matt Forte, but uh, South Florida is going to go on the road get the win. Yeah, I think so as well. South Florida wins. Green Wave, I'm sorry, you're going to get the loss. Then we've got an interesting one, 24 back in the rankings. LSU at 5-2 and two have kind of turned it around since we said Ed Orgeron should have been fired. No, they, I, but he shouldn't have. Me, that's what yeah. I was saying. Um, Old Miss, they play Old Miss in Oxford. LSU, six and a half point favorites. Who you got? Old Miss isn't good. LSU has shown mm-hmm. that they are competitive. They've got this resurgence about them. They look good. LSU with the win. I'm gonna pick LSU, but I know they're gonna lose. As long like, as I know, like I know, I'm gonna it, pick it, them and they're gonna lose. As long as it doesn't come down to Danny Etling, mm-hmm. they'll win. Because if it comes down to Atlane and he, he has to make plays mm-hmm. towards the end, or really any time. Well, the quarterback it's battle, just not, I give it to Shea just, Patterson. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But Ole Miss is not that good. Yeah, there's just a part of me that I'm like, yeah, pick LSU. And then there's another part of me that goes, yeah, now they're going to lose now that you picked them. But I am going to go LSU to win in Mississippi. Then the big game. Game of the week here on MVP. The MVP game of the week. You can't miss it. Number 19, Michigan, going into University Park to play number two, Penn State. The Nittany Lions, nine and a half point favorites. Who gets the win? I've got to go Penn State. They have a lot of momentum right now. Michigan, they have the defense, Mm -hmm. but they don't have the weapons offensively or the leadership offensively. To get things done. Penn State, they do. And even though Michigan's defense still has been good this season, I think Penn State's got way too many weapons Mm -hmm. to not have one of them absolutely go off against that defense. There's either two ways this game is going to go. It's either going to be a blowout or it's going to be really close. I think Penn State wins either way. I am leaning towards really close. And at a line of 9.5, if I'm betting on this game, I'm taking Michigan and the points. I'm calling for Penn State to win by seven in overtime. That's what I'm doing. A seven-point victory taking Michigan and the points, though, on the line because it's nine and a half. Then the next one we've got, we've got a big rivalry, number 11, USC, going into Notre Dame to play number 13, Fighting Irish. The Fighting Irish, actually three-and-a-half-point favorites, who do you got, Brandon? I think that's about right, and I'm going to go with Notre Dame. Okay. They have been another resurgent team this year. Last year, absolutely awful. Mm-hmm. Now, 
everything I said about Brian Kelly still holds true because he the way that he acted last year, all hot and bothered underneath the collar when the pressure was getting to him, that's mm-hmm. not a good head coach. I still think that even though 5-1, and one, you haven't heard as many things about Brian Kelly because things have been going well. But here's the thing. Notre Dame is going to be able to finally, even though USC has, has lost a game, they're going mm-hmm. to be able to expose USC for not being as good of a team as people may think. Now, saying are they overrated, I think that's still going a bit too far. Are they as good as they were last year? No, they're not. That's certainly not going far. Notre Dame will get the win at home, close game, but they win. Question for you before I make my pick. When it comes, we got to solidify this eight, eight weeks into the season. What are we using as the barometer for an upset? The line, so Notre Dame, they're picked to win by three and a half points, so picking USC would be the upset. Or are we going to go, USC's the higher-ranked team, they are the favorite? What what are we going to use for upset special? Because I got to know if I got to hit the button or not. Shoot, I you know I I'm not I'm not quite I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure because because let's go with the line upset special Trojans win by seven. I hit the button. I just wanted to hit the button. So okay. we're, going, we're going with the line because Notre Dame's pick to win, upset special, Trojans win. It doesn't bother me either way. It doesn't bother. I just needed to know whether I hit the upset special button or not. I just they needed to hit we it. You probably Trojans. should have clarified that week one. Trojans with the win. I didn't think about it. I didn't think that people, let's be honest, I didn't think that week one that people we'll, wanted us to mention we'll, the lines we'll, and stuff. We'll, we'll talk to our producers. Yeah, and... we got to talk to them. We got to talk to the fans. <laughs> we we, we got to talk to everybody here. Next game, number 21, Auburn going up against Arkansas. Auburn, I don't care, 14.5 points favorites. You should win this one, even though I pray that you do. Because if you don't, then pack the season up. You're done because you should beat Arkansas. Yeah, Arkansas has also been a not-so-good team. Auburn should get the win, uh, bouncing back after a tough one last week. Then we're going Big 12. We've got Kansas, who is defeated, hasn't won a single game in conference, going up against 6-0, number 4, TCU. TCU is a 37.5-point favorite. Not betting against that. TCU with the win. (laughs) Yeah, TCU with the easy win. They're going to roll. And then we got two left. We've got another Big 12 matchup. 23 West Virginia, 9.5-point favorites going into Waco, Texas, to play the Baylor Bears, who have not won a game. Brandon, do do the Baylor Bears get their first win of the season, and are you hitting that button? Absolutely not. I'm not that dumb. Um, West Virginia, what a game they played last week Mm -hmm. against Texas Tech. Texas Tech up for almost the entire game. West Virginia coming roaring back. What a game. That was a great game. West Virginia got the win there. They'll get the win here. How about Will Greer? Over 2,000 yards Mm -hmm. and 21 touchdowns. There's a team, I'm sure, out there that wishes they had him back. Florida. Yeah. Florida. And then our last one, we've got Colorado going into Pullman, Washington. The Cougars, 11-point favorites over the Buffs. Who do you got? 15 Washington State, unranked Colorado. Wazoo. Going Washington State. Is that who you're going with? I am going to go Washington State as well. I think they're going to kind of bounce back this week against Colorado. Although Colorado, only 4-1 this year. Only 4-1. And And Brandon's giving me that look like, Ricky, you think I'm going to be awake for this game? You honestly think I'm going to be awake for this game? Did you say Colorado four and one this year? Yeah, aren't they four and one? Four and three. Four and three this year. I was looking at the wrong. Four and three. I glanced one and three in the Pac-12. Glanced down at my score sheet. I can't read. 
That's apparent. I cannot read. We need to get me reading lessons so I can learn we to should. read numbers. But that's going to do it for the Primetime Podcast this week. If you're on YouTube, I forgot to say it. Hello this is the first thing you are seeing this week. Who Let us know who you guys are picking down below in the comment section. If you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, thank you for sticking with us the whole way. A little bit of housekeeping here at the end. If you have not already, check out patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast away to help support the channel more so than watching the video, more so than hitting that like and subscribe button, more so than following us on Twitter at young underscore swan 19 at Ricky Widmer, patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast. I want to thank you guys for watching and or listening. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at most valuable pod for more great podcasts.